Welcome one, welcome more, welcome all to a brand new edition of everybody's favorite podcast. Random thoughts and best regards. He used to reside in the 5-2. Now he spends his time at the truly beautiful intersection of smart and stupid. Some call him the handsome one. You know him, you love him. He's the voice of reason, T-O-double-D. Time sure flies when you're having fun. Welcome to September. And welcome to another edition of Random Thoughts and the Best Regards. How is everybody doing? I hope well, well indeed. And I thank you for joining us. I thank you for your patience. I know this season has been a little crazy. Um, kind of with how content and episodes have been been being dropped. Um, it's kind of been all over the place. Been been a little busy with some some side projects had some throat issues uh so a couple couple things going on uh, i apologize that we've been a little hit or miss with the episodes but we are here and that what that's what that's what i'm trying to say there that's what is important and we got a jam-packed episode for you this week uh so much going on we are going to talk about the start of the nfl season here in just a minute uh i'm gonna go uh pretty in-depth about a uh, huge story over the weekend uh, in the world of professional wrestling involving uh, AEW, a post-pay-per-view press conference, and a fight that ensues afterwards, a real-life fight uh, between their world champion and three of their EVPs. Uh, We are going to talk about that. Uh, We'll cover that to the best of our ability as the news is constantly kind of changing with that story, um, it seems like every couple minutes you hit refresh and you get another tidbit to the story. So we'll try to piece that mess together uh, as best we can in a little bit. Um, but again, it is September. Most kids now across the country are back in school, I think, on the last episode. I can't remember. A little bit of a blur, but I think in the last episode I talked about uh, Jonah going back to school. Um, if not, he, he is definitely back to school. And... Um, I found myself, right, um, I needed to kill some time, right, because I sit in car line to pick Jonah up, and, and I think I've mentioned this on the show before, it can be quite a, a lengthy car line, so I like to try to get there early and, and then just wait it out, uh, it kind of helps with my schedule to get, to be one of the first couple of people to get Jonah, um, so I need something to kill time, so the other day it kind of hit me, and I said, well, why don't I ask Jonah if I can just use a switch? So, of course, I asked him, and he said, sure. Uh, he actually thought it was pretty funny that I wanted to use his switch. So, basically, what I've been doing lately is I've been sitting, waiting in car line, and I'll play a lot of Mario Kart. <laughs> That's what I do to kill kill the time. I just I sit there with Jonah's Nintendo Switch, and I play a lot of Mario Kart to pass the time. But it works, right? It's a good time killer. It, it stops me from endlessly scrolling on Twitter or Facebook, which we all know can be toxic. Um, so uh, I find this is a more cathartic, better use of my time. Um, I get to, to go ahead and, and uh, you know, win some races, feel, feel good about myself. Um, so I, I like it. I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun playing Mario Kart and uh, Jonah gets a kick out of it. Last week, I got a visit from a very dear friend of mine, and it's actually somebody who's appeared on this show quite a bit. That's right, Maddie Matt, 
was in town last week. My one and only top foreign correspondent, as he likes to call himself, uh, Matt, came down for a visit and uh, we were able to meet up and and have a good time. I am going to save story time, most of story time for when Matt comes on because Matt's going to come on soon and and do an episode and and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about his visit down here we'll talk about our our time together and the fun we had Uh, there's one thing that's for certain whenever Matt and I get together laughter ensues laughter follows that uh, of course was the case last week when we got together we wound up going to a bar and uh, when I tell you that and again I don't necessarily consider myself normal. I'll be the first to admit I'm a a bit of an eccentric human being. So when I say that we were hands down the normalist people at this bar, um, it was was a show. Uh, It it was a show. Matt and I went to watch some college football, um, and we did not expect that we were going to get the sideshow. Uh, that we got and it was truly entertaining again as I said I'm going to save a lot of the stories for when Matt comes on because I think it'll be funnier uh, to hear both of, of our sides of, of what went on but I will tell you I will paint the picture on, on one of the stories uh, because I don't even know if this is true and I should probably do some research on it because I, I am curious it seems like a massive commitment um, but and I'm not even going to tell you what Matt said because uh, Matt had an easier solution a uh, resolution to the problem. Um, I'll say this, he wasn't wrong, um, but I'll, I'll save it for when he comes on. But so Matt and I are sitting, if you can envision, kind of like at the head of the bar, um, watching football. TV's all around the bar. We're, we're kind of sat center so that we can see the, the, the game in, in front of us. Um, so there's these folks come in, a guy and a girl, they sit next to us. Uh, the guy is. Uh, envision what a envision how like a, a Mormon or uh, a Jehovah's Witness would dress. He's got the black pants, a white shirt, black tie, um, goatee, short hair, glasses, and as Matt pointed out, had a ring on his left hand, had a ring on every finger but his thumb. Uh, and he was one of these guys. You can tell, right? We like to use the term peacocker. He, he's one of these guys that felt the need to apparently be loud in the bar uh he had to have an important uh important voice and he sits down with this young lady and again i just want to help the paint the picture i'm not trying to be mean here um but this young lady was probably north of of 200 pounds just just to help you understand where we're going with the story for context so there, I, Matt and I are watching the game. Not really. We're just kind of hearing side conversations every once in a while. He's doing this weird thing where he's trying, the, the guy's trying to order a steak, but wants to know like how they're going to cook it because if it's, if, if it's already if it's already dead, you don't need to kill it twice. Like this, that was an actual sentence out of his mouth. And, and then I honestly think he wound up ordering a salad. Like we went, that, that, was, that was the progression. I think he wound up ordering a salad. Not really certain on that. But anyway... We're sitting there, and uh, they're kind of talking, and, and they're on the subject. I don't know if they were looking at photos on their phone or whatever, but they're on the subject of breasts and boobs, tatas, whatever you want to call them. Um, and he turns to the lady, and I, I, I'm not making this up. He turns to her and goes, and again, I don't know if they're on a date. I'm assuming they're on a date, but I don't know. Uh, it all seems very weird to me, honestly. Um, and I 
did kind of feel for this young lady, um, although I will say, I mean, she probably had every opportunity to get up and walk out of the bar if she chose to, uh, so apparently she was choosing to entertain this gentleman, um, but he turns to her and he goes, again, they're on the subject of breasts, I don't know how they got there, and he goes, well, what are you, you're about an A cup, right? And to which my eyebrows immediately went up, I was like, whoa, this guy, um, so I think she said yes, whatever, they're having a conversation, um, and again, this woman's on the heavier side, not trying to be mean here, but she is on the heavier side, he, he then proceeds to tell her, well, you know, if you go work at Hooters for five years, they'll pay for your breast implants, and I immediately laughed out loud, um, because I was like, this guy, right, um, it was wild. Um, but then I started to think about it, right? And I was like, I wonder if that's a thing. Will Hooters pay for your breast implants? And do you need to work there for five years? Because you know what? That's a hell of a commitment to Hooters. Like, I don't envision many people, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't envision the average, and I'm just going to say average, I don't envision the average Hooters waitress having a five-plus-year career there. Um, so you would think, right? I mean, again, maybe I'm wrong. I guess if, if do, do you, how does this work? Do you, do you get the breast implants up front and then you have to work them off for five years? Or do you have to work the five years first and then get the breast implants? Cause that's a hell of a commitment, right? To, to decide I'm going to work at Hooters for five years before I even get my breast implants. That's a hell of a commitment to make. Um, so I don't know if any of this is true. Uh, I don't know where this guy came from. I don't know if he's even of this planet Earth, because uh, he was certainly a character. Um, but it was just interesting, and and I just I kind of felt bad for the girl that the conversation took that weird turn. Uh, and and again, you know, we talk about body image and and everything else. Um, it just it, it seemed tacky and and weird. Um, but of course, it would be my luck that I'm sitting there to to hear that. Um, so again, we, we've got a lot of stories to tell, and uh, Matt will come on the show sooner than later, and, and, and we will tell them. But that's just an inkling of, of how our night went and, and some of the wild stories, uh, and that's probably like maybe one of the least wildest ones uh, of that night. Uh, but we had fun. It was great to see Matt um, while we talk quite a bit um, off-air, and he's on the show also quite a bit. We don't we were talking about it and i don't think we've seen each other since 2014 in person uh so it was a lot of fun to be reunited and and, and i had a great time and uh, as always I, I thank matt for his friendship he's always been a great friend for me and um again we had we had a good time we had some good laughs and he's going to come on soon and talk about it uh speaking about matt uh we did talk about his cleveland browns uh, we also talked about his Cleveland Cavaliers, who, who pulled off a big trade, and we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But let's start with his Cleveland Browns, because the NFL season is going to start um, recording the show on Wednesday. NFL will kick off tomorrow night on Thursday with the defending Super Bowl champions, the L.A. Rams, against the Buffalo Bills. A prominent Super Bowl contender out of the AFC should be a great game. Look forward to that. There are some other notable games on Sunday, and this is where I say the reference to Matt with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we've got the Steelers against the Bengals on Sunday. We've got the Chiefs against the Cardinals. Uh, Chiefs, again, always a perennial Super Bowl favorite with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, then we've got the Cleveland Browns against the Carolina Panthers. Now, normally... If you just say that, not a lot of intrigue there. 
But we've got a situation where Carolina's starting quarterback has been injured and their backup will start for them against the Browns. And who is that backup? <laughs> That's right. None other than Cleveland's former quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Also, who will not be playing in that game for Cleveland is the guy who replaced Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, because he is currently serving a suspension for being a creep. Um, so this, there are so many plot lines here. There are so many storylines. I talked about this pretty in-depth with Matt, uh, his feelings on it. Uh, but Baker Mayfield is going to have an opportunity to go up first game of the season with his new team against his old team. And to quote Baker, he is looking forward to effing them up. Um, so I will be very interested to see what Baker Mayfield does against the Browns. I will also be very interested to see what the Browns do against the, the Panthers and Baker Mayfield. That to me is a circle game right there. You circle that one on the calendar. That's going to be an intriguing one on Sunday. Sunday night, we've got Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against uh, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. And then on Monday night, another intriguing one, uh, you've got the Denver Broncos against the Seattle Seahawks. So you have Russell Wilson, the new quarterback of the Denver Broncos, meeting his former coach, Pete Carroll. Uh, that will be a very interesting one on Monday night. So again, NFL kicks off on Thursday night, Bills and Rams in the opener. And then on Sunday, we've got the notable matchups of uh, Steelers, Bengals, Browns, Panthers, Chiefs, Cardinals, Sunday night, Bucks, Cowboys, and the Monday night uh, football game will be the Denver Broncos against the Seattle Seahawks. If you are attending any of those games, I saw this blurb the other day, and being I was talking about Matt and I being in a bar and the NFL kicking off this weekend, I thought I would go over this. The cost of beer for the different NFL franchises across the country if you are heading to a stadium this weekend you can know how much a beer two or three may cost you so here we go i will go from lowest to highest if you are a minnesota vikings fan you will be paying the lowest price for a beer in the league and that is ten dollars so again the cheapest price in the league belongs to the minnesota vikings at ten dollars for a beer at 1050 you've got uh, a gaggle of teams you've got the new england patriots the seattle seahawks the carolina panthers and the tennessee titans 1050 for a beer at those respective stadiums uh, in at eleven dollars you've got the defending super bowl champions the los angeles rams uh, also their stadium mate los angeles chargers the Miami Dolphins, the Chicago Bears, the Buffalo Bills, the New York Giants, the Eagles, and the Buccaneers. I'm assuming the Jets are in there. I just realized the Jets aren't on this list, so I'm going to assume that the Jets, the Jets, much like the uh, Chargers and Rams, uh, are stadium mates. The Jets and the Giants are stadium mates, so I'm going to assume it's also $11 for a beer at a, a Jets game. Uh, at $11.50 a beer. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is $11.50 a beer. The most you will pay for a beer at an NFL stadium this season will be none other than FedEx Field in Washington, D.C., 
for the Washington Commanders. And the price that you will pay per beer takes quite a jump. Again, incrementally, we went up by 50 cents here, right? We went $10 with the Vikings, $10.50 with the Patriots, Seahawks, Panthers, Titans, $11 with the Rams, Dolphins, Chargers, Bears, Bills, Giants, Jets, Eagles, $11.50 with the Bucks, Saints, 49ers, and Jaguars. But only, only at FedEx Field, I don't know if it's still called FedEx Field, but only at the stadium in Washington, D.C., when you go to a Washington Commanders game, will you pay $14 a beer? And to be honest, they're probably going to make a killing because that team is so bad that the fans are going to want to drink their sorrows away. (laughs) And at $14 a beer, they're going to make a lot of money. All right, as I mentioned, we've got a great show coming at you, a lot to talk about. So stick and stay. Don't go anywhere. Random thoughts and best regards. We'll be right back in just a short, short. Hi, this is Matt Farragher. You might remember me from your visit to Epcot Center circa 2000, 2001. I like to talk with you about my favorite brand of vegetarian chili. But first, let me tell you about my favorite podcast hosted by someone named Todd. You're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Go listen and laugh. I'll be honest, I'm not even sure where to start on this ever-evolving story uh, because every time I sit down with the intent to record the segment, there's so much more uh, coming out about it that I keep hesitating because I want to try to get as much information as possible. But if you remember, uh, over the last little bit, uh, and we're going to talk about what's going on currently in the world of sports entertainment and professional wrestling um, as the wheels are just coming off at AEW and it is a a wild situation uh, which which may have peaked this past Sunday at not even at all out the pay-per-view but at the press conference after the pay-per-view just a wild story uh, it's continuing to evolve and, and, and change uh, whether suspensions or terminations or whatever is going to come out of this. We're still trying to gather all that information. Um, but I think the best thing to do is, is set the table a little bit for you. Well, kind of what's been going on over the last couple of months. So clearly, if you remember and you go back a little bit, if, if you're a true diehard listener of Random Thoughts and Best Regards, you know that uh, around WrestleMania season, I, I talked about how Cody Rhodes, who was a founding member of All Elite Wrestling, AEW, um, and uh, EVP, he was leaving AEW to join WWE. And I said, this was a big deal. And, and this was bigger than I think people were realizing at the time. I had said this months ago, um, because to me, right, Cody was the adult holding it together. And basically what I predicted happened when he left, here we are, right? So, so, and now I'm going to kind of dig in to what's been going on, um, because we talked about it a little bit on the last episode about how 
with the change in power at the WWE, uh, with Vince McMahon retiring, Triple H taking over and making you know some radical changes right out of the gate. The product is fresh. The product is hot. Uh, they are coming off, uh, and that was a little bit of uh, Tony Khan, the CEO of AEW. Um, he voiced some frustrations in the media scrum after All Out that he was upset that All Out used to be a standalone on Labor Day weekend, and uh, now they were the third show of the weekend because WWE had a class at, clash at the castle on Saturday, and they also had uh, Worlds Collide and NXT pay-per-view prior to All Out. Um, and I kind of chuckle at that a little bit because, right, it's okay when, when Tony wants to compete, but when somebody else competes with him, then he kind of gets all flustered and all spastic. Um, but I believe what happened, and, you know, I'll harken back. So WWE was supposed to have money in the bank in July uh, at the uh, Allegiant Stadium. And some things happened. Cody Rhodes gets injured. Uh, ticket sales aren't that great. So they move it to the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. At that point, Tony Khan has a lot to say uh, about WWE and kind of rub some salt in the wound. So again, it's okay when Tony wants to do this, but now again, momentum changes at WWE. Uh, Triple H comes into power. WWE has clashed at the castle this past Sunday, uh, over 65,000 fans. And it was just a hell of a show. There was nothing, um, that AEW could have done to compete with this. I mean, this is, you know, WCW used to use the phrase uh, back in the Attitude Era and the, the, the Monday Night Wars that this is where the big boys play. Uh, this was a big boy move on Saturday by WWE. This was a solid pay-per-view. And I think that's the fact that Tony is missing, right? Tony says that they were fatigued. Wrestling fans were fatigued because there were three shows that weekend. That's not the case, man. Because you know what I did? I didn't watch Worlds Collide. And I didn't watch All Out. I watched the best show of the weekend with the best built card. And that was Clash at the Castle. That's all you have to do, Tony. This isn't rocket science. If you put the best product out there and you put the best card together, that's where fans will gravitate to. That's what fans will watch. It doesn't matter the competition. It doesn't matter how many shows are that day. That is the bottom line. And when you build your show, you know, uh, one of the things that, that AEW did do well, and I will compliment them, is during the pandemic, uh, when they were doing the no-fan arena shows up in Jacksonville, uh, the product was great, and the product was rolling, and they had great storytelling, and they had great builds to their pay-per-view. Um, they've forgotten that formula. I mean, they literally put this all-out pay-per-view together like a week ago. Like, we didn't even know what some of the matches were. Um until like Wednesday of last week, like big matches, like main event matches. Um, so of course, how are you going to compete with a show like Clash at the Castle? Um, so clearly things are not going well at AEW, and and they kind of went sort of uh, frantically limping, if 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 we can say that, frantically limping into the weekend, and and what is considered the biggest show of the week. So. Now, with this, there was a uh, meeting held about two weeks ago, um, which was considered a morale booster. Tony Khan gathered everybody together, 
and um, had this big pep talk uh, about morale and about the product and, and where things were going with the company. And, and I believe Tony Khan spoke, uh, the Young Buck spoke, Tony Schiavone, who's been promoted to the head of talent relations, spoke, uh, and Kenny Omega, another EVP, spoke. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors with Triple H coming in power in WWE that there are some people in AEW asking for their release and trying to get out of their contracts. This apparently has made Tony Khan paranoid to the point where he has had AEW lawyers um, send cease and desist orders to the WWE for tampering. And this was addressed in this this personnel meeting that they had before uh, in AEW Dynamite. But I kind of had to chuckle at it because WWE doesn't need to tamper, right? Because let's look at some of the names that, that Triple H would be interested in, right? You, you have to figure there is a, a common bond between Andrade and Aleister Black, right? And you figure those are two guys that Triple H would want back in the fold at WWE. Triple H, Stephanie, Nick Khan, nobody needs to pick up the phone and call those two guys. And this is what I mean about Tony Khan's paranoia because guess what? If they just go home and have a dinner conversation with their wives, is that tampering? No. That's having a dinner conversation. Because you know why? Andrade is married to Charlotte Flair, who is what? A WWE superstar. So if they go home and they have dinner, and he's saying things aren't so great in AEW, and Charlotte says, well, things are better over here now with Triple H in power. Why don't you come back? There's nothing Tony Khan can do about that. Same thing with Aleister Black. If he goes home and has a conversation with Selena Vega, right? Also, WWE superstar. That's not tampering. That's a husband and wife having a conversation, potentially. So even if Triple H wanted to cover his tracks, and Stephanie wanted to cover their tracks, and Nick Khan wanted to cover their tracks, all they have to do is ask these spouses to have a conversation to gauge temperature on their husbands. Um, and this guy's sending cease and desist cease and desist orders to the WWE, which I'm sure they, they just laughed at. Um, and then you have the Bobby Fish situation. Uh, Bobby Fish, obviously, huge role in NXT uh, with the Undisputed Era. That whole group, right? They go to AEW. They have a big role there. They're part of the Undisputed Elite. You, you have, you know, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish in with the Young Bucks and uh, Kenny Omega and, and you have the Undisputed Elite. Well, for whatever reason, Bobby Fish does a podcast, says on that podcast that he would run through a wall for Triple H. Uh, and when that happened, I was like, this guy's gone. Like, dude, Tony Khan is, is, is going to get rid of him. Um, and sure enough, that's what happened. So now you, Bobby Fish has been, whatever, however you want to call it, Tony Khan has this passive-aggressive thing where he doesn't release anybody. Um, he just doesn't renew contracts. Um, and basically, Bobby Fish is not being renewed. And Bobby Fish has been released from AEW, uh, and he's a free agent. And that is a huge gap. That is a huge storyline. I mean, we were supposed to get uh, Cole, O'Reilly, and Fish against the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. I'm pretty sure that's the whole reason why Omega... And, and the Bucks at, at the All Out pay-per-view uh, won the Trios championship. So there's been a lot of chaos um, 
at AEW. And in this meeting, you know, I want to talk a little about Kenny Omega because he's he's going to come up in a little bit here when we talk about this uh, this post press conference media scrum. Um, from what we understand and 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 from everything we can gather, everybody was fairly positive in this morale meeting uh, that Tony Khan held, with the exception of Kenny Omega. Um, Kenny Omega went with the tough love tough love approach, and Kenny Omega basically said from what we are hearing that he wouldn't have hired 80% of the roster. So this man stood up and he's an executive VP stood up in a morale meeting and said, if it was my choice, eight out of 10 of you, 80% of you wouldn't be here. What is that man? Like, and, and this is the problem. And, and, and this is what I'm, we're going to get into. Uh, and it's the way Tony Khan is running the company. And, and, and I think maybe 10 years from now, if AEW is still around, Tony Khan will be a good CEO because hopefully with age and experience, um, he gains a little bit of business acumen. But right now, man, he's a mess. And you've got the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson as EVPs, and you've got Kenny Omega as EVPs as an EVP. It is a terrible, terrible decision to have active wrestlers as executive vice presidents of your wrestling promotion. Like, bad enough sometimes back in the 80s and 90s when you had an active wrestler as a booker, you now have active wrestlers who are representing your company in a high-paying role and have to answer to shareholders and, and, and everything else, um, it's just not a good mix. And that came to fruition this weekend, unfortunately, for Tony Khan. Um, and there's going to be a lot of fallout. And I got a lot of notes here, so be patient with me. You're going to hear pages turning. I'm going to try to stay as, as, as on point as possible, but there's a lot of information here. So let's kind of fast forward a little bit and talk about what happened. So in the main event of All Out, you have CM Punk against AEW world champion John Moxley. Uh, this pay-per-view is in Chicago, which is CM Punk's hometown. CM Punk, in the main event, wins the world championship from Dean Ambrose. Or, excuse me, John Moxley. He was Dean Ambrose in WWE. Um, after Punk wins, you have what some will call the triumphant return of MJF, who immediately challenges CM Punk for the World AEW World Championship. And that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. So one would think, going into the press conference, that this would have been the focus of what was discussed. Um, and I'll tell you something. To be very honest, <laughs> I'm not the biggest CM Punk fan, but I've got to tell you, man, he was absolutely fantastic at this presser. If, if you have an opportunity, for multiple reasons, please go to YouTube and pull up the All Out Media Scrub. Uh, and if I could help you paint the visual of, of what happened, there's, there's a couple things here. You, you have to understand also, let me, let me explain this. When I say AEW Media Scrum, 
Um, it's like a room full of six or seven finger quotes here journalists uh, who are basically internet journalists who are best friends pretty much with with the young bucks uh, who pal around with the young bucks and, and uh, try to get views and, and hits and, and, and everything for their little independent either podcasts or Twitter pages or, or whatever. Um, if you want to know the difference in AEW and WWE, take a look at WWE's Clash at the Castle post-media conference and take a look at the AEW all-out scrum. And that is everything you'll need to know about a professional company who's got their shit together versus, and I hate to say it, a fanboy who's running a wrestling promotion. Um, so to paint this picture for you, you've, you've got these six internet darling reporters in the room. You've got um, what I feel, um, and there's been some jokes made, um, I feel like the press conference, the audio for the press conference was done on a, like a My Fisher Price first microphone uh, and, res- and cassette recorder. Um, Somebody actually said, somebody made the funny joke that the audio sounded like in Home Alone 2 when Kevin McAllister uh, recorded the voice and slowed it down to give the credit card number. That's how bad the audio was uh, on this uh, media scrum. And then, so this was in, I believe, I I may miss the name of the arena, but it's like the Now Arena. It was some arena in Chicago. It wasn't obviously the United Center. I don't even know if it was the old... Rosemont Horizon, um, but it, I believe it was a place called Now Arena. But anyway, uh, at, there are some points in the press conference where it sounds like the L train is literally driving through the arena. I don't know what it was, but it literally sounds like you you have this press conference coming on, going on, and then the audio quality is so terrible that it literally sounds like a train is driving through the arena. Um, so then you have Tony Khan, who is. Uh, you have Tony Khan and CM Punk. So CM Punk, if you're looking, you know, at, at the backdrop at the table, CM Punk is to the uh, to the right, Tony Khan to the left. Uh, Tony Khan, for lack of a better term, is is doing his normal tweaking thing, like his his skittish. I don't know if he has anxiety or whatever, but he's just being Tony Khan. Um, and then you have CM Punk, who sits down at the table, is a bloodied mess, is taking off his tape. Um, at one point. Uh, and this was maybe one of my favorite things. He's he's got a box of pastries. <laughs> now he's bleeding. He's sweaty. He hasn't showered yet. He's got the championship belt on the table, and and he's eating muffins. And he goes off on this rant, and we're gonna talk about the rant in a minute. And in the middle of the rant, he talks about this place. He's he's eating muffins, licking his fingers, and he talks about oh by the way, um you know whatever I'm eating is from Molly's Bakery on like 1st and 2nd Street in downtown Chicago and you should really check it out for all your bakery and, and pastry. He's he's doing a commercial for, for this place. Uh, and he, he even tells us, he's like, uh, they're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, hours hours vary uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, this whole thing, it just, you could not script what was going on in this, this press conference. It was uh, I mentioned the train sounded like a train was going through. Uh, it's apt because this was an absolute train wreck. Um, so, but uh, again, not the biggest fan of CM Punk, but he was absolutely fantastic. 
in this press conference. And there's one thing that I have to give CM Punk. You can't argue that he is a draw, right? You can't argue that he's a gate. He brings ratings. He brings merchandise. Like, there's a lot of things that come with CM Punk. You don't have to like him uh, to to give him his, his due. And you also have to respect the fact, right, he's a former WWE champion. Like, he's, he's achieved success at, at the highest levels of this game. And right, wrong, or otherwise, he's somebody that you should probably respect uh, when it comes to this business. Again, you don't have to like what he does. Like, like I said, there's one thing... There's one thing about, and this is the one thing I'll give CM Punk, and I don't know him personally, so I, I can't really speak to that, but at least from what I've gathered and his on-air persona and, and everything else, if, I've always said this, if you're going to be a prick, I appreciate when you're honest about it, and you're like, yeah, I'm a prick, but at least everything that I'm going to say, I'm going to say it to your face, versus someone who smiles in your face and then back talks you. So, you know, CM Punk, may say you know i'm i'm the biggest draw this company has uh, i'm the top guy he might say all these things and you might not like it but then you have to do something about it like because it 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 holds water and it's true he is the top guy he is the draw they are getting million dollar gates since he got there last year he is selling merchandise he is wildly popular um versus somebody who smiles in your face and then goes behind your back and badmouths you and says, well, you know, I'm really the top guy here and, and this is my promotion and I'm going to run this guy out of town. I'd rather have somebody be upfront. And I've always said that um, because, you know, we all have that potential. I've said it before, you know, I am I, I can be an ass, but I'm a lovable ass. And, and that's the difference. And, and I will at least, you will at least get the truth from me. I will at least be honest with you. Um, to me, that is a much better way to operate, and, and that's the way that CM Punk kind of operates. So, again, there's a lot here. I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but um, there is heat between uh, CM Punk and Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page, of course, a former AEW World Champion, came out a couple months ago. There was a feud between Punk and, and Page for the AEW Championship, and... Um, Hangman went rogue on live television and um, kind of went in on CM Punk. Um, took some shots at him, went off script, um, kind of went into a business for himself. A um, couple things here. CM Punk is old school. He may not be as old school as like a Harley race, but he's old school and he respects tradition and he respects the business um again he may be out for himself um, i don't deny that uh he may be self-promoting he may, and everything else uh and he may be about himself but he is old school um i can tell you this i've had the pleasure of you know having a friendship with harley race um had adam page ever gone into business for himself like he did against like he did with CM Punk against somebody like Harley Race, he wouldn't have finished getting the sentence out of his mouth because Harley Race would have put him in an arm lock and then shoved the microphone up his ass uh, right on national television. And then he would have walked backstage and said to Nick Khan, all right, who's my opponent at the pay-per-view because I'm not wrestling that guy. Um, but CM Punk went about it a little differently. My point being, though, Hangman Adam Page was owed a receipt. Uh, that's the way CM Punk saw it. 
So a couple weeks ago, CM Punk returned from injury. And first thing he did was take care of business. And he called out Hangman Adam Page. And Hangman Adam Page apparently uh, did not like that. Um, National television, CM Punk called him out. Apparently Hangman Adam Page was sitting and catering. When it happened, um, nothing came of it on national television. But it is what it is. So there is heat there. Let me explain the heat a little bit. Um, There is heat there because Hangman Adam Page is friends with Cole Cabana. Now Cole Cabana is another performer. Uh, Cole Cabana had a long-standing history. I'm going to kind of go fast here because I I don't want to get too deep in the water here. But Cole Cabana had a long-standing history, a long-standing friendship with CM Punk. Something went awry a few years ago, um, and they had a falling out. There was a legal issue. uh, There was a court case involved. There was a defamation case. Apparently, CM Punk was not happy uh, about some of the things that that CM Punk, or excuse me, that Cole Cabana did uh, in regards to that that situation uh and and there was a, there was a falling out and and the friendship was terminated um colt cabana has worked for uh aew for probably about three years now pretty much since their existence and to be fair to cm punk i want to be very fair to cm punk here in the sense that um it's not like colt cabana was well used uh before cm punk got there in aew um before cm punk even arrived in AEW half the time Colt Cabana wasn't even on TV and the other half he was buried in the background of the Dark Order um, almost non-existent Um, and from what we can understand uh, CM Punk comes to the company um, again Tony Khan kind of passive-aggressive in the sense that he won't release anybody so he just kind of lets uh, contracts expire. We saw it with uh, Jack Evans uh, and and some other people. Um, so contracts expire, they don't get renewed. Uh, we saw it with Marco Stun and and Cole Cabana was kind of in that Jack Evans, Marco Stun uh, class of people who their their first round of AEW contracts came up, uh, and Cole Cabana was going to be let go. Uh, Matt or Nick Jackson, I forgot which one, went to Tony Khan and asked for Cabana to be uh, re-signed and moved to a non-existent promotion, which is Ring of Honor. It's basically uh, AEW brought Ring of Honor, but basically all they're using are their championships and and, and whatever. Um, so Cole Cabana gets re-signed to this fake promotion. Uh, Hangman Adam Page and Cole Cabana are friends. Cole Cabana is friends with obviously Kenny Omega the Young Bucks um so while CM Punk is out recovering from his foot injury um these rumors start to spread that CM Punk is the reason why Cole Cabana uh isn't on AEW got, got moved to to Ring of Honor like all this all this stuff starts coming out so it's brewing you can tell it's you can you can tell something something bad is happening there's there's whispering going on here for whatever reason somebody's trying to undermine cm punk and i think this is an important part of the story because again in fairness to cm punk who is being blamed in this scenario for the the lack of use of colt cabana that's let's call it what it is that's bullshit because colt cabana was hardly used before cm punk ever even got to aew so to turn around now and say that, oh, you know, the reason why Cole Cabana isn't being pushed or the reason why he isn't being used is because he's being buried by CM Punk. 
Uh, listen, I don't need to be in an AEW locker room to know that. I just have to watch their television product, which I've done for the last three or four years, and know that Colt Cabana was never pushed prior to CM Punk, after CM Punk. So you can't blame CM Punk for that. If anything, you can blame Tony Khan and whoever is doing the, the writing there, uh, creative, for AEW. Um, so anyway, press conference. Stay focused. CM Punk eating muffins, sitting next to a tweaking Tony Khan, uh, starts to take questions. First thing out of the gate, he notices, again, this is a very elite-friendly journalistic room. This is a bunch of their internet friends um, asking questions. So CM Punk immediately notices Nick Houseman, and he's one of the first people to ask a question. Now, again, background story, Nick Houseman has ties to Colt Cabana. They did improv together. Um, Punk brings that up. Houseman downplays it. Um, and that this is pretty much the linchpin for Punk's rant. Um, and here's what I'm going to say to Tony Khan and AEW. If you're going to fill the room with fake internet fanboy journalists, you've got to expect at some point, again, right, I think this is the problem that Cody Rhodes had, you've got to expect at some point a professional adult is going to lose their shit. And as Jim Cornette would say, about uh, beautiful Bobby Heaton of the Midnight Express used to say um, F around and find out and that's basically what happened um, there had been a lot of whispers there has been stuff given to these finger quote journalists that they've put on their blogs their websites kind of bad mouthing CM Punk and again F around and find out and boy did they find out because CM Punk and I cannot stress this enough go YouTube go YouTube this media scrum CM Punk goes off on basically the entire management of AEW and what is amazing to me absolutely amazing and I'll be honest with you at first I thought this was a work because of Tony Khan's reaction and the fact that he just sat there the entire time as the CEO of AEW, the fact that Tony Khan just sat there and nodded as CM Punk shredded the company and their EVPs, I said, this has got to be a work. Because in a real world scenario, there is no CEO that would allow an employee of theirs to sit in front of the media, whether I want to do the finger quote journalist or not, to sit in front of the media and not try to redirect or just completely shut down that employee. And the fact that CM Punk ranted and Tony Khan sat there and not once tried to redirect the conversation or just shut Punk down. I want somebody to show me a world where there's a, a WWE or uh, a, a um, Ultimate Fighting Championship or a New Japan or uh, Impact Wrestling press conference and the CEOs of those companies would behave the way Tony Khan behaved. That they would just sit there 
while one of their employees just ripped everybody in the company. I said, this has got to be a work. Now, we find out this was all very real, which is even more mind-blowing to me. So, CM Punk basically goes off on Hangman Adam Page, who is also an EVP. Basically calls him an empty-headed cowboy. Talks about how, um, you know, there's a locker room full of really talented people, uh, like Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Mark Henry, Christian, um you know, some other really talented, really great minds for the business and uh, how recently on an interview, Hangman Adam Page said that um, he doesn't need to take advice really from from any of, of these veterans. Um, and again, to that point, I, I agree with CM Punk in the sense that what an idiot because Hangman Adam Page has accomplished nothing in this business outside of AEW. Uh, and Hangman, to be honest, Hangman's Adam, Hang, Hangman Adam Page's title reign was basically when the wheels started coming off in AEW. He was a terrible world title run. Uh, he should have been the TNT championship champion before he was given the world title. Um, he was a flop as a world champion. Um, and he's going to sit there and say that he doesn't need to take advice. Um, so CM Punk goes off on him. CM Punk goes off on, I'll say it, he goes off on Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks in the sense that he doesn't mention them by name. But he does say we've got a bunch of EVPs who can't even run a target. Um, and then he also talks about how um, these guys aren't acting like they're in front of thousands of fans. They're acting like they're back in Reseda now, which is a, a shot um, back at, at the Young Bucks and their small promotion that they had back in the day where you know it was kind of all their friends wrestling. And basically, I sat there and I listened to the press conference and I felt at that time that it was everything probably that Cody Rhodes was feeling when he, when he left. Um, but of course, Cody Rhodes handles things differently. Um, and there were some NDAs involved and, and, and everything else. Um, and, and, you know, Cody Rhodes was just like, I'm out. Uh, I can go to WWE. I can make my big splash. I don't need you guys. For CM Punk, it's a little different because CM Punk, I feel like, was sitting in that chair saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm your top draw. I'm your world champion. I bring you million dollar gates. What are you going to do if I sit here and finally speak? You know, CM Punk used to be called the voice of the voiceless. Um, I think CM Punk was speaking for a lot of that locker room. They might not admit it, but I do think CM Punk was speaking for a lot of that locker room. Um, so this press conference goes on. The rant is fantastic. We get the muffin commercial, everything else from CM Punk. Um, Tony Khan sits there not saying a word. Again, absolutely mind-blowing um, that he does not try to stop this or redirect it or, or whatever. Uh, so inept in, in this situation. Um, so Punk leaves, right? And, and the press conference still goes on. Uh, there's some other people who come out, talk, whatever. So here's now where the shit hits the fan. Uh, CM Punk goes back to his locker room. We don't know the full story. Uh, from what we can gather, CM Punk in the locker room, door closed. Ace Steel, who is uh, who was CM Punk's trainer, is a producer for AEW um, and a longtime friend of CM Punk. Uh, his wife, 
from what we understand, is in CM Punk's locker room watching Larry the dog. Yes, CM Punk's dog, Larry the dog. She's watching Larry the dog. Um, apparently, from what we understand, the EVPs, Matt, Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, are very upset. Uh, they decide in what to me is a terrible terrible move let's not talk let's let's again let's separate one of the boys professional wrestlers whatever versus evps because when you're evps there's different there's a difference right there's you again are responsible to the stakeholders you hold a high position in a company uh there are different legalities involved in, in, in being an evp you have to separate yourself as being one of the boys when you're an EVP. And that's why I said this is a terrible idea to have active wrestlers as EVPs. Um, so they decide that, that they're, and again, it's really hard for me to understand this. They, they decide as EVPs that they're not gonna wait and have a conversation with Tony Khan. They're not gonna stand there, wait for the press conference to be over with their arms folded and say, all right, fire this guy or all right what are you going to do now they don't do the right thing right from a business standpoint what are you supposed to do when you're an employee when when you when you are a a uh, executive and you have an issue with an employee right you go to a superior and you tell the superior the problem and then probably hr gets involved right but there's steps there there are steps in a corporate business structure that you have to follow to stop from legalities being involved right these knuckleheads right again instead of standing there and doing the right thing arms folded you can be as mad as you want stand there with your arms folded wait for tony khan to come off of that desk from the from the media scrum rip tony khan a new asshole and say do something about this um you have until wednesday night they decide that they're gonna go and they're gonna confront cm punk uh from what we understand they were knocking on the door. CM Punk did not answer. Now, this is also very visual, funny because visually funny because if anybody knows the Young Bucks, you know they do this super kick party thing, and and their entrance involves streamers and and everything else. Um, apparently, allegedly, the Young Bucks kicked the door down. So in my head, I just envisioned them super kicking the locker room door, and then streamers and confetti going off. Um, probably didn't happen, but but that's the way I envision it. Um. So here's where it gets a little murky, right? Because also, prior to, from what we're understanding, prior to the boys walking down the hallway to confront Mr. Punk, they're having a conversation with uh, Mega Perka. I'm probably going to say her name wrong, but Mega Perka. And she is the chief legal officer and another EVP of AEW, also the same one who sent the cease and desist, uh, if you remember that part from earlier, sent the cease and desist orders to the WWE. Um, they're having a conversation with her. Uh, I don't know what she said. I don't know what, how she didn't stop them or tell them this was a bad idea. Um, but apparently she was somewhere in, in this mix. Um, and then also Christopher Daniels, who has a, has a role in talent relations, former, uh, former performer, uh, is a backstage producer and has a role in talent relations. He is also with the elite, uh, which again, uh, the young bucks and Kenny Omega. Um, we don't know much, uh, and it's hard to get clarity, um, but from what we understand, uh, storm into the locker room, 
Don't know if CM Punk was sitting down. Don't know how they approached him. Don't know those specifics. But obviously a contentious situation. Um, and the shit goes down. And from what we know, uh, again, we don't know the order of things. But uh, apparently one of the Young Bucks um, is punched by CM Punk. Um, so you now have uh, an employee physically assaulting an EVP. But you also have an EVP uh, confronting an employee in an aggressive manner. Um, so, so that gets dicey, right? So, Punk knocks out, uh, I don't know if it was Matt or Nick Jackson, but knocks out one of the Jacksons. And apparently there's more punches thrown, potentially, maybe. Um, but also, now, from what we understand, a steel enters the fray and hits one of the Jacksons in the head with a steel chair. Now... Now, whether the chair was in the way and he just flung it, or whether he took it and frying panned one of the Jacksons in the face, we don't know. But I will say this: I'm not, I'm not defending a Steel in any way. But we don't know the specifics here. And I will say this: a Steel's wife was in that locker room with CM Punk, and you don't know if she screamed for Ace. You don't know what happened, but you can understand how if there is a fight in a room that your wife, significant other, a person you love in, is in, you may come in hot. And apparently that's what happened with Ace Steel. Um, and then it did again, to, to, to what the, the media uh, is making jokes about, it, it descended into uh, Kenny Omega getting his hair pulled by Ace Steel, and Ace Steel apparently biting Kenny Omega. Um, so... Again, this situation, the situation was really bad. Um, in the middle of the media scrum, you see, apparently from what we're being told, you see security racing uh, out of the scrum into the locker room area. Uh, at some point, Tony Khan was informed of the situation. Um, now, here's where I also have some issues. Because again, let's bring up Megan Perkick, the chief legal officer and, and EVP. Uh, she was present, and apparently it's even rumored that she was the one who took Larry the dog uh, out of out of the room. Um, so again, we we've we've got this brawl between EVPs and the world champion of a company. Uh, now again, we don't know this story is ever evolving, but there are rumors that CM Punk may have been injured during this brawl like it may have torn his bicep or torn his pectoral uh which as you know is is a good deal amount of time on the shelf if that is the case uh and again he is your world champion this is a mess for tony khan and it's not like fights haven't happened in professional wrestling and, and and again it right it goes back to what Jim Cornette said about Bobby Eaton you know f, f around and find out and and that's what happened um and and okay so you know the young bucks and Kenny Omega want to be mad they want to storm into CM Punk's locker room and they either want to hear what they want to hear or there's going to be a fight right that's fine when you're one of the boys do you know what i'm saying like that's fine when you're one of the boys but now, again, the three of you are EVPs. 
for a multi-million dollar company. All right. And you also have to think about how AEW is attached to the Khans and the Khan family who own the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's a lot of businesses involved with the Khans and offshoots, one of them being AEW. There is a way to conduct yourselves. And the elite did not. They were massively unprofessional. You can say whatever you want about CM Punk, but as an athlete in a press conference, he has the right to voice his opinion the way he wants to. You may not like it. You may have a conversation with him. To be very honest, that conversation should have happened immediately at that table with Tony Khan. Tony Khan should have said, that's it. We're not talking about this here. We'll talk about it. We'll meet on Monday. We'll meet on Tuesday. But if if you have nothing else to say, you're done. You're dismissed. Go take a shower. That did not happen. Tony Khan allowed the the train to to crash full speed into the station. Um, And his EVPs did not make the situation any better. And if the world champion of your company was injured... This is a million-dollar draw we're talking about, CM Punk, right? This is a guy who pulls million-dollar gates for you. If he was injured in a fight with three of your EVPs, not good at all. So immediately, what I think needs to happen, there's so much, so apparently from what we understand, there's... Suspensions have been laid out. We don't have any details. All we know is that personnel has been suspended. Um, Again, recording this on a Wednesday morning. Later on tonight will be Dynamite. From what we understand, the Elite and CM Punk will not be present. Uh, We will find that out, I guess, once we hit airtime. Wrestlers like John Moxley and Chris Jericho, who were not scheduled for the show, have been called in to fill the gaps. Um, But... What is going to be the fallout from this, right? Especially, you, you have to think about the CM Punk injury, right? Because if Punk is injured now, you 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 have this huge setup, right? So you have John Moxley, who was a phenomenal champion, right? All throughout the summer, did an amazing job carrying the belt, did an amazing job carrying the company, uh, drops the belt to CM Punk in Chicago to set up a feud. Again, this gets all gets lost in the shuffle. To set up a feud with the returning MJF for the world championship which probably would be uh, at, at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City in a couple weeks, uh, which would be a huge gate. Potentially, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have just jeopardized that. Because if CM Punk is out, if CM Punk is injured, you now have to vacate the World Championship or crown an interim champion, and you lose that Punk-MJF payoff and it made absolutely no sense for MJF to sit at home for months to build for a match that's not going to happen. It's bad business all the way around and if I'm Tony Khan the first thing the very first thing that I do is I strip Matt, Nick, Jackson and Kenny Omega of their EVP titles. Those three men do not especially after these actions do not deserve to be EVPs of AEW. They are a liability to the company and a liability to the bottom line. So Tony Khan's first step should be to immediately remove the EVP titles from those three individuals. Now, I'm not saying that CM Punk is an angel in this situation. CM Punk 
if not injured, should probably be suspended. And I don't care how long you suspend them for. You want to suspend them for 90 days? Suspend them for 90 days. CM Punk should be suspended. There are rumors, potentially, that CM Punk is going to be fired. That, to me, is a terrible business decision by Tony Khan. And to me, he's just placating. If that is the case, to me, he's just placating Omega and the Jacksons, which probably means that they're going to keep their EVP titles, which is absolutely insane to me. Again, don't want to pile on Tony Khan, don't know what he's doing here yet, but that's sort of what this feels like. Um, again, your gate has been up with CM Punk. CM Punk is a ratings draw. Uh, did CM Punk act unprofessionally? Sure. Suspend him for 90 days without pay. And tell him that in order to come back, he has to make amends. Um, you know, we had it a couple weeks ago. Again, it's been chaos in AEW, right? You've got, you got Bobby Fish leaving. You have a situation between Sammy Guevara and uh, Eddie Kingston where, where Guevara goes out on a live mic, calls Eddie Kingston fat in a promo. Uh, Eddie Kingston meets him in the gorilla position and essentially pie faces him. Eddie Kingston gets suspended. So, um, you know, we've got another brawl. We've got, so if Eddie Kingston got suspended for pie-facing somebody, then clearly when you have a physical altercation in a locker room, these guys, all, all four of these guys are going to be suspended, right? I mean, you have to be consistent in that sense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where this all goes. And, and, and the sad thing is, right, in the meantime, now we've, whatever happens, you've got the world championship hanging in the balance. Because whether Punk is susp- suspended or injured, he is the world champion. And so where does that leave MJF? Who's the presumable next content- next contender, next guy in line for the championship? You just, again, you just took the title off of uh, John Moxley, who had a great summer. Um, it, it's just really a bad look for AEW right now. And just a wild situation. And, and I don't know... I don't know the answers, um, but I can tell you one thing with with whole 100% certainty. um, We now have enough information. We now have enough stories to know that um, Matt, Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, they no longer deserve to be executive vice presidents and Tony Khan's best course of action here. Uh, He can decide what he's going to do with CM Punk, but his best course of action out of this scenario would be to strip those three men of their EVP titles. Why did the pepper put his winter coat on? Because it was a little chilly. Hi, I'm Dana, and you might remember me from such random thoughts and best regards episodes as the Great British Bake Off and Explaining True Crime. Todd is as handsome as they come and has a voice to match. And you're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Listen to in over a dozen countries on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Go listen, laugh. All right, so serious question now on Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Why does everything the Los Angeles Lakers do make absolutely no sense? They have literally, that front office has to be the most befuddling front office in the NBA right now. I I don't know 
Rob Palenka astounds me. I don't know what this man has on people in the Lakers organization that he's able to hold on to his job the way he has. Uh, it, it is quite astounding. Let's talk a little bit. I saw this the other day, and, and I'm going to be honest. I was I was blown away. Uh, I was blown away by it because uh, it really it made no sense to me. Uh, so this entire summer, this entire offseason, the Lakers have been trying to shop Russell Westbrook, right? Makes sense. Didn't really work. It's a failed project. We're going to try to move him. Going to try to do something to change this roster to be more competitive in the NBA and in the Western Conference next year. Don't want to continue to waste these seasons that we have LeBron James for. Makes a ton of sense to me, right? But here's what's astounding to me. As of today, as we sit here, Russell Westbrook is still a part of the Los Angeles Lakers roster. And it looks like he will be for the foreseeable future as they've been unable to move him. But, but, they recently moved one of their youngest talents. Uh, and again, this is this is a very old team. So when I say young talent, there are not many young talent on this team. They just, they basically moved one of their young talents, uh, Talon Hunter Tucker, or Talon Horton Tucker. That's a tongue twister. Uh, they recently moved him. But before we discuss that trade I want to talk about a trade that fell through or basically a trade that the Lakers said no to which is astounding to me um, and, and and here we go so I guess it maybe the we'll say the start of the offseason middle of the offseason right not not full not full into the summer so let's let's put it June July ish on the calendar the Indiana Pacers initially asked the Los Angeles Lakers for Russell Westbrook and Talon Horton Tucker, uh, along with two first-round picks, in exchange for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. And L.A. turned the trade down. Why in the world, when you're trying to remake your roster... And you have somebody who's willing to take on Russell Westbrook's contract. Would you not pull the trigger on this trade? And I know the first thing is going to say, well, Todd, the two first round draft picks comes at a high cost. The Lakers should be, should be a playoff team. Should be. So those two first round draft picks should not be lottery picks. They should be, they should be higher up at the end of the first round. So don't hand me the, the two two draft picks, especially when we talk about a trade later uh, of all the draft picks that Cleveland wound up sending to Utah. Don't don't tell me the draft picks were the hold up there, right? The other thing is you're trying to turn your team over. You're trying to get a roster that is competitive in the West. You're trying to do something to maximize the fact that you have Davis and James. You have the opportunity to add Miles Turner and Buddy Heald to that roster and unload Russell Westbrook's contract and you turn the Indiana Pacers down I really do not understand what Rob Palenka is doing and then and this is why I'm so confused about it then the answer to all of this is to take Horton Tucker and trade him to God knows where I don't even know where Minnesota I don't I don't know where wherever Patrick Beverly was playing you trade Horton Tucker for Patrick Beverly. Again, 
I want you to understand something here. The Indiana Pacers initially asked for Russell Westbrook, who the Lakers were trying to get rid of and trying to dump that contract, and Horton Tucker and two first-round picks in exchange for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Two guys that you can immediately drop in that lineup and make you a playoff contender. And they said no. This is the same GM who last year didn't want to include Horton Tucker in a trade for Kyle Lowry. They had the opportunity to add Kyle Lowry to the roster last season. Didn't want to give up Horton Tucker. But a year later, you give him up not not for not for Kyle Lowry, not for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, but you give him up in a trade for Patrick Beverly. How does this make this franchise any better? I'm not even going to discuss. I'm not even going to go into the drama of the beef between Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly and the fact that they're now on the same roster, on the same locker room. I'm not even going to go into all of that. Somebody just explained to me from Rob Polinka's standpoint how this trade makes sense. You take a guy that you don't want to get rid of last year in Horton Tucker. You had the opportunity to bring Kyle Lowry, an all-star, to your team. And you didn't want to give up Horton Tucker last season. Then this season, Indiana offers you an opportunity, a get-out-of-jail-free card, to dump Westbrook and take that contract. And all you have to do is include Horton Tucker and two first-round picks. And you get two young, talented players in Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. And you turn that trade down. And then you turn around and send Horton Tucker to God knows where. I really think it's Minnesota, but I'm not sure. For Patrick Beverly. It just makes absolutely no sense. Everything the Lakers do is dumb. And I don't understand it. I don't know what Palenka has on these people that he's allowed to keep his job. It is astounding to me. On to some teams who clearly have a better front office. Or at least one team that clearly has a better front office. Because I'm not so sure about the other team now. Um, Let's talk about the big trade. right? And and again, I, I, I mentioned earlier in the show... Had a chance to sit down and spend some time with Maddie Matt this weekend, and, and we discussed his his Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland Cavaliers go and land themselves an All Star in Donovan Mitchell uh, from the Utah Jazz. Uh, they give up three unprotected first round picks, which again is a lot. But when you're trying to make a splash and you're trying to be a playoff contender, sometimes those unprotected picks can be a gamble, right? Because your thought process, again, much like I said with the with the Lakers, if they would have given up those two first-round picks to the Pacers, is you're expecting to be a playoff team. So those are going to be later first-round picks. Um, so they give up, again, that is a lot, but they give up three unprotected first-round picks. They send this year's draft pick, uh, the wing, Ochi Abaji, former Kansas Jayhawk, former national champion, I might add. Uh, they sent him along with Colin Sexton, the point guard, uh, over to the Jazz. Sexton immediately inks a four-year, $72 million extension with the Jazz. Um, so the Jazz did get good value here. I will say that. I don't know how the Knicks managed to let Donovan Mitchell get away, um, but the Jazz did get a good return here. Uh, in I, I think Obaji 
is, is going to be a solid NBA player. You get Colin Sexton. He inks a four-year extension for $72 million, uh, and you get those three unprotected first-round draft picks. So that's a good haul for Utah um, when, you're, when you're looking at it from, from that vantage point. And Cleveland, I think, wins here also because they get a perennial all-star, uh, a guy who uh, you know has proven he's one of the top talents in the league. They get Donovan Mitchell. So you add that with Darius Garland, uh, Evan Mobley, Karius LeVert, Jarrett Allen. I think you've got a strong, strong playoff contender in the Cleveland Cavaliers now in the East. Uh, I expect Cleveland to move up many people's boards in playoff positioning, and uh, we'll see how Donovan Mitchell gels into that offense um but i think that is a good mix of offense and defense there in cleveland and i think there will be an opportunity for them to make a lot of noise like i said talked about this in previous shows to me the jazz have gotten stale a few years ago that bubble season there was a lot of talk of denver dallas and utah being the up-and-coming teams in the west we've seen denver and dallas take those steps but we haven't seen that from utah utah's gotten stale uh, and they've just gone ahead and decided to hit the restart button. And I think they found a good home for Donovan Mitchell. Again, I don't know how the Knicks let this get away. Um, I also find it funny. I've heard rumors that the Jazz thought they were punishing Donovan Mitchell by sending him to Cleveland instead of New York. Um, because they felt they were sending him to a worse franchise. They just sent him to a fringe playoff team that he's now probably going to turn into like a five or six seed playoff team. Uh, so if that was the case, I don't understand Utah's mindset there because it certainly wasn't a punishment. Sending him to the Knicks probably would have been a punishment. Um, and I can't wait someday to, to have Saul on it and, and talk about that. But sending him to the Knicks may have been more of a punishment than sending him uh, to, to Cleveland. But um, again, Mitchell winds up in Cleveland. Uh, the deal in New York falls through. R.J. Barrett winds up signing an extension. And uh, here we are uh, on the cusp of a, another NBA season uh, in, in just another month or two here. Uh, it will certainly be interesting, but uh, Donovan Mitchell, a big splash for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we'll see where this lands them in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I want to thank everybody for joining us this week and encourage you to come back and do it again next show. So with that, remember, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes. Stay positive, test negative. Do what you know is right, regardless of the choices others make. Say I love you, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, don't count the days, make the days count. Remember to look down the side streets because that's where the best stories are. And when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Thanks for listening to my dad's show.